I'd like to tell you a little story, something that happened to me yesterday evening. I was on the bus about 12 o'clock, midnight, and I was reading through this exhortation um, just to make sure that it printed out properly. And um, unbeknown to me, the man behind me was reading it as well. And I became aware of uh, someone breathing in my ear, and uh, I turned round and he said to me, that looks like a load of rubbish. That was his reaction. And uh, I said, well, either it will happen or it won't happen. And as we read these words, you'll realize why I said that. And he said, well, I think religion has been responsible for more war and, and problems than anything else. Um, and I said, well, in the 20th century, more people have died due to atheistic wars. Um, scientists made nuclear weapons, cluster bombs, laser-guided missiles, chemical weapons, biological weapons, ethnobombs. They're not Christians. Christians don't do that. Um, I said, and in the 20th century, over 200 million people were killed in wars that had nothing to do with religion. That's more than the whole of human history. But nonetheless, he thought it was a load of rubbish. And I said to him, well, it's not in man to direct his steps. And I think we've shown that. And so I hope that you will accept Jesus when he comes back to direct our steps. And this is what Ray's exhortation is about, the, the book of Micah and, and God coming to rescue us. So we make no excuse today in penning what may seem more like a Bible class address, but we think it appropriate in the conditions we find in the world today. The Apostle Paul, when writing to Timothy, said, Be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. We shall need no alternative translations to make the message clear, but we'll stick with the trusted authorised Bible. So we're commencing our thoughts this morning by taking ourselves back to the days of Noah that we read in Genesis 6, verse 5. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of his thoughts, of his heart, was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man, whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping thing, and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. The situation as it was in the days of Noah comes clearly into our minds as we look at the terrible things that we're taking place in the world around us. We're reminded of the words of Jesus recorded for us by Luke in chapter 17, verse 26. And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. Surely the present situation cannot go on for much longer when the Lord repents again that he had made man on the earth and it grieves him at his heart and that he will destroy them which destroy the earth. That will include those who have no regard for the lives of others who may have differing opinions as far as religion or race are concerned. Sadly, the iniquity now prevalent throughout the world and even among those who lead the people, is becoming rampant. 
Even in the chosen race, the politicians are being accused of corruption, bribery and embezzlement. Nothing has changed since the days of Micah, from whom we learnt this morning of the waywardness of the chosen nation. In our reading today, we see how this deviation from the way of the Lord was present then, just as it is today. Nevertheless, the correcting hand of the Lord will no longer destroy all as it was in Noah's day. Nevertheless, the day of account will come. In Genesis 8 verse 21, we read, And the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground any more for man's sake, for the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any more every living thing, as I have done. While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, and cold and heat, and summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. So with those thoughts in mind, we will turn to the remarkable picture that is brought before us today in our reading from Micah's prophecy. Keep your Bibles open at the chapters we heard read, chapters 3 and 4, for we are going to quote extensively from the words of Micah by way of explanation and exhortation this morning. We are led through these chapters from terror to bliss and horror to joy. We start with the scene in the third chapter, which is one of Israel's departure from the Lord their God. And again, what a terrible picture of the misuse of power is here portrayed. In the first verse we read, And I said, Hear, I pray you, O heads of Jacob, and ye princes of the house of Israel, is it not for you to know judgment, who hate the good and love the evil? who pluck off their skin from off them and their flesh from off their bones and also eat the flesh of my people and flay their skin from off them and they break their bones and chop them in pieces as for the pot and as flesh within the cauldron. This is, of course, a highly dramatic presentation of the corruption that was rife in the prophet's day, just as it was in Noah's day. <clears throat> the prophet... Um, the prophet's... Uh, then continues to show that as a direct result of this selfish mismanagement, we read in verse 6, Therefore night shall be unto you, that ye shall not have a vision, and it shall be dark unto you, that ye shall not divine. And the sun shall go down over the prophets, and the day shall be dark over them. What a terrible and prolonged night it was for the Jewish nation from those days onwards, even to AD 70 with the final dispersion from the land of Israel. And of course, the partial outcome through our own era. Their survival has been a miracle in itself, for God hath made a promise through the prophet Jeremiah. Fear thou not, O Jacob, my servant, saith the Lord, for I am with thee. For I will make a full end of all nations, whither I have driven thee, but I will not make a full end of thee, but correct thee in measure, yet will I not leave thee wholly unpunished. So through their long history we see fear and terrible penal measures against them by the nations of the world, and with but a few exceptions, whilst they have returned to the land of promise, they are no better than the corrupt leaders were before. Diplomats and government officials in every land are the same. Thus we read further on in the chapter 
at verse 9. Hear this, I pray you, ye heads of the house of Jacob, and princes of the house of Israel, that abhor judgment and pervert all equity. They build up Zion with blood, and Jerusalem with iniquity. The heads thereof judge for reward, and the priests thereof teach for hire, and the prophets thereof divine for money. Yet will they lean upon the Lord and say, Is not the Lord among us? None evil can come upon us. The voice of prophecy tells us differently, for the Lord will not be among them as they claim. For Zechariah indicates to the contrary in chapter 13, verse 8. And it shall come to pass that in all the land, saith the Lord, two parts therein shall be cut off and die, but the third shall be left therein. And I will bring the third part through the fire and will refine them as silver is refined and will try them as gold is tried. They shall call on my name and I will hear them. We wait anxiously for that day to arrive when, as the prophet continues, I will say, it is my people, and they shall say, the Lord is my God. Indeed, the psalmist has written, the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him and his righteousness unto children's children. Thus, out of the darkness and horrors of the third chapter, we move in our reading for the more glorious part of the prophecy with chapter 4. And oh, what a relief this shall be. But in the last days it shall come to pass that the mountains of the house of the Lord shall be established in the top of the mountains, and it shall be exalted above all the hills, and people shall flow unto it. And many nations shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord and to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways. And we will walk in his paths, for the law shall go forth from Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he shall judge among many people and rebuke strong nations afar off, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up a sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. And how shall this be, this sudden transformation? Tomorrow's reading from Micah chapter 5 tells us, But thou, Bethlehem Ephrata, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, Yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. Therefore will he give them up, until the time that she which travaileth hath brought forth. Then the remnant of his brethren shall return unto the children of Israel, and he shall stand and feed in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall abide. For now shall he be great unto the ends of the earth. Great not just in Israel, great not just in the Middle East, but great to the ends of the earth. Let us look back to chapter 4 and underline the serenity of the new order of things with those words of Micah 4, verse 4. But they shall sit every man under his vine and under his fig tree, 
and none shall make them afraid. For the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken it. The vine and fig are scriptural emblems for the sons of Abraham, and it will include all those who have put on Christ, as we read in Galatians 3, verse 29. And if ye be Christ's, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. How significant for us then in this context is the carrion call of chapter 4, verse 13. Arise and thresh, O daughter of Zion, for I will make thine horn iron, and I will make thy hooves brass, and thou shalt beat in pieces many people, and I will consecrate their gain unto the Lord, and their substance unto the Lord of the whole earth. But let's not stop there. Who is the main assailant that is to be threshed? Let us read on to chapter 5 and verse 5. And this man, the man from Bethlehem Ephrata, shall be the peace when the Assyrian shall come into our land and when he shall tread in our palaces. Then shall we raise against him seven shepherds and eight principal men and they shall waste the land of Assyria with the sword and the land of Nimrod in the entrances thereof. Thus shall he deliver us from the Assyrian when he cometh into our land, and when he treadeth within our borders. So let's not confuse Assyria with Syria. The old northern enemy of Israel was based around Nineveh, covering parts of Iraq and Iran. And how significant are the words, therefore, that follow this wonderful news of peace to come. And the remnant of Jacob shall be in the midst of many people, as a Jew from the Lord, as the showers upon the grass, that tarrieth not for man, nor waiteth for the sons of men. And the remnant of Jacob shall be among the Gentiles in the midst of many people, as a lion among the beasts of the forest, as a young lion among the flocks of the sheep, who, if he go through, both treadeth down and teareth in pieces, and none can deliver. Thine hand shall be lifted up upon thine adversaries, and all thine enemies shall be cut off. Sadly, it will be, as the prophet has said, that only a remnant will live to see the righteous hand of the Lord work against the enemies of his people. Though all people may fear the hand of the Islamic State against them, we can be confident that the purpose of God will succeed. Let us then today join in and rejoice in the call through Micah, which we find in chapter 4, verse 13. Arise and thresh, O daughter of Zion, for I will make thine, thine horn iron, and I will make thy hooves brass, and thou shalt beat in pieces many people, and I will consecrate their great gain unto the Lord, and their substance unto the Lord of the whole earth. What a glorious day that will be, and what an encouragement to us to hold tight to our faith in patience, waiting for the Lord. Thus we move on in Micah's prophecy to chapter 5, verse 6. And they shall waste the land of Assyria with the sword, the land of Nimrod in the entrances thereof. Thus shall he deliver us from the Assyrian when he cometh into our land and when he treadeth within our borders. And the remnant of Jacob shall be in the midst of many people as a dew from the Lord, as the showers upon the grass that tarrieth not for man, nor waiteth for the sons of men. And the remnant of Jacob shall be among the Gentiles in the midst of many people as a lion among the beasts of the forest 
as a young lion among the flocks of sheep, who, if he go through, both treadeth down and teareth in pieces, and none can deliver. And I will execute vengeance in anger and fury upon the heathen, such as they have not heard. We can't finish there without a glance at the last two chapters. We pick up the mood from the sixth chapter, where we twice find the most appalling words, O oh my people, with what compassion and love those words convey. Then what follows in chapter 7, verse 18, Who is a God like unto thee? Indeed, as we read in Daniel chapter 4 and verse 35, all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing, and he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? With that thought, we return to Micah, where we read in the fifth chapter, in the twentieth verse, these reassuring words, Thou wilt perform the truth to Jacob and the mercy to Abraham, which thou hast sworn unto our fathers from the days of old. Let us then today all repeat in our thoughts those words we quoted earlier. Arise and thresh, O daughter of Zion. With which we link the words of Micah in his opening chapter and verse 3. For behold, the Lord cometh forth out of his place and will come down and will tread upon the high places of the earth, and the mountains shall be molten unto him, and under him, and the valleys shall be cleft as wax before the fire, and as the waters that are poured down in a steep place. Thus with David we make the call, let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy, because thou defendest them, let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. As we wait patiently, but urgently, for that day to come, let us now remember the one from Bethlehem Ephrata, who with almighty power will make all those prophecies come to pass before our very eyes, even our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, who died on our behalf.